You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. I'm going fishing, Peter says. We'll go with you, reply Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and two other disciples. Following Jesus' resurrection, our passage today puts us right out on the water with Peter and the other disciples. And contrary to how this story from John's gospel is often framed, as if Peter and company were somehow avoiding Jesus and moving on with their lives, the disciples here were exactly where they were supposed to be. I want us to recall Jesus' words to the women on Easter morning on the other side of an empty tomb. Jesus said, Tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So Peter and the disciples have simply heeded this word of direction from Jesus. Here they are in Galilee, waiting, waiting for Jesus to arrive. And while they were waiting for the Lord to appear, they probably considered, like most of us would, something they could do to pass the time. The sun had gone down. It's dark. And so Peter suggests a fishing trip. Being an experienced fisherman, much like a number of the other disciples, who you might remember in their former life had learned, who had been raised to fish as a trade, Peter and the rest knew the best fishing is at night. So they head out. They head out into the stillness of the night, dropping their nets into the pitch black of the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Only the glimmering of the stars is visible above them. Can we picture this scene? The best fishing is at night, but not on this night. For hours, like watchmen waiting for the dawn, they anticipate a catch, a sizable haul of tilapia. But despite all their experience and for all their hard labor, they catch nothing. As the sun begins to rise, Peter and company are starting to head back when they notice someone standing on the shore. Someone, interestingly, they still do not recognize. The light is shining in the darkness right in front of them, their resurrected rabbi, and yet none of them could see it was Jesus. This perceived stranger on the shore calls out to them, asking how the fishing was last night. And their response, did you catch this, is brief and terse. I mean, no one likes to admit failure, especially when you fail at something you know how to do especially when you've put in all the necessary work and still have nothing to show for it. Without missing a beat, this mystery man directs them to cast their net on the right side of the boat, assuring them if they do so, they will find some fish. Now at this point, this story should sound familiar to us. And it's definitely a fair assumption to believe Peter and the disciples were experiencing more than a little deja vu at this moment. They don't know it yet, but Peter and the disciples have found themselves traveling to another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a place known as the Twilight Zone. 
I'm sorry, just kidding. I had to do that. I hope this plays. I can't tell I'm looking into a lens. But seriously, Peter and company on the other side of the cross and the resurrection suddenly find themselves back at the beginning of their journey with Jesus. For it was in a moment like this when they first encountered him. When Jesus first called them to leave their family business, to step outside of their comfort zone, to walk away from their lives' work, to begin a new life following him. And this call to follow first began with a command to drop their nets back in the water after a fruitless and frustrating night of fishing on the sea, just like this one. And if you remember back to that moment, Peter and the disciples initially balked at this directive by Jesus. But here and now, without hesitation, perhaps starting to catch on, they drop their nets back into the water as instructed. And just as before, just like the first time around, they are unable to haul in their catch. Instead, because of the overwhelming number of fish they've caught, the disciples have to tow in their net to the shore. And when they get back, breakfast is waiting for them. Breakfast is waiting for them on a warm charcoal fire. By now, as they are first offered some bread and then some fish, Peter and the disciples have recognized who they have been talking to all this time. It's Jesus, the one they watched firsthand draw crowds as he spoke with authority and performed signs and wonders. It is the Christ, the one who willingly offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, suffering and dying on a cross. It is their Lord and Savior, the one who conquered death by rising from the grave and still bore the scars, the scars they touched, the scars that reflect the healing of our lives and of this broken world. And here, just as he did in the upper room, Jesus once again acts as both servant and host as he both prepares and offers this meal to his disciples. Peter and the disciples are having breakfast with Jesus. Personally, I love this gentle scene of friendship and reconnection. In fact, imagining this scene is a focal prayer point for me that I come back to often. When I pray, I try to visualize myself with the disciples in this scene. And when I do, there's an insight that I'm always left with. And you know, it's not all that earth shattering. It's pretty simple actually, but I find it still nonetheless profound. And for me, this insight is an awareness that has become very centering in my journey with Jesus. And I hope as I share it with you now, it will be that the same for you, all of you, especially in the midst of what we're going through. And here it is, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. I mean, this is actually something Jesus directly tells us in the upper room as he talks about being the vine and we are the branches. Jesus openly and clearly declares to us that the fruitfulness of our lives is solely conditioned on abiding in him. And while we may hear Jesus say this, we often forget that this is most certainly true, or let's be honest, we keep looking for the exceptions to the rule, believing we can find meaning, we can find purpose, we can accomplish something that endures apart from God. I mean, in many ways, isn't this the very problem of sin? The minute that we begin to try to have life, to live our lives apart from God, we create a divide that we end up widening and deepening until it's not our creator who has moved or left us, but we who have managed to end up out on the water, in the darkness, 
with an empty net. The beautiful thing we witness here is we worship a God in Christ who doesn't just tell us the truth apart from him, that we can do nothing, but a God who reinforces how true this is by offering us practical examples of how things work apart from him versus being in step with him. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that this lesson of abiding in Christ, of trusting and following Jesus, that this lesson was given both at the start of the disciples' journey with Jesus and then repeated at the restart of their journey with Christ. It's not a coincidence. I mean, notice how John specifically tells us when Peter and the disciples knew it was the Lord, when the lesson was learned the second time around, when the nets that had been first dropped in the water and came up empty, went back down and came up full, bursting with life. My friends, if that's not a visual metaphor for resurrection, then I don't know what is. What the disciples had tried and failed all night to do, Jesus accomplished. My friends, without Jesus, our nets come back empty. Only Jesus can provide more fish than we can handle. Jesus is the one who lights our fire, prepares our table, and delivers what we need. The disciples knew it was the Lord when Jesus set the table before them, when Jesus invited them to come and have breakfast, when Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and then did the same with the fish. My friends, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But abiding in Christ, Jesus provides everything we need. That's the lesson here. In this simple yet profound encounter, in this gentle yet powerful scene, is the repetition of a truth, of a lesson the disciples would learn again and again in the coming weeks and years. As they soon moved, as Jesus said they would, from being fishermen to fishers of people, the disciples were going to face serious obstacles. I mean, let's think about it. They were going to be rejected and persecuted for sharing the gospel. They would face all kinds of darkness out on those waters, disbelief and doubt, suffering and abuse, isolation and poverty. If the disciples in this relied on their own brilliance and strength to deliver and to provide the continuance of their lives, let alone the fruit of the gospel, their nets were going to come up empty. But on the other hand, if they kept listening and following the word of the Lord, the word made flesh in Jesus, if they kept relying on the provision of the spirit, the spirit of Christ, then no matter what the problem, no matter what the obstacle seemed to be, Jesus could and would provide fully and abundantly. I mean, the sequel to the four Gospels, the book of Acts, visibly and tangibly offers continued repetition of the lesson that's learned here, that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, but that in Christ, we can do all things, more, in fact, more than we could ever imagine or hope for. I mean, think about the story of Acts. Maybe you should read it this week. Think about the story of Acts. When the disciples were placed on trial for their preaching, what happened? Jesus gave them the words to say. When they needed proof that their message came from heaven, Jesus gave them the power to perform miracles, signs, and wonders as validation. When they ventured off into regions unknown to preach the gospel, 
Jesus provided. Jesus provided open hearts and open homes. Jesus provided believers who loved their Lord and provided for his apostles. When their very lives were threatened, when they were publicly ridiculed, as they were physically abused, thrown in jail, and sometimes even left for dead, Jesus provided redemption, reconciliation, and yes, even resurrection for them again and again. What are, you to, what are you trying to accomplish right now in life? What are you busy trying to accomplish right now? I mean, as we remain sheltered in place, as we continue to be asked to maintain social distancing, as we're experiencing limits in terms of where we can go and places we can access, many of us are beginning to take matters into our own hands. Some of us are protesting, right? We're protesting, we're arguing for our rights, we're challenging the restrictions being placed upon us. Or if we're an essential worker, we're, we're pushing back. We're pushing back against the lack of support and protection we are receiving even as we provide essential needs for everyone else. And then there's, there's some of us who are trying to figure out how to stay safe and to protect others while still being able to work or maybe even find a job and still put food on our table. And then there are others of us who are laboring to find a realistic rhythm for both trying to work from home and at the same time guide our kids through online learning. And then of course, there are many, especially those who are alone right now, who are struggling to stay focused, struggling to stay healthy and productive rather than to, to succumb into apathy and depression over an acute sense of isolation from those they love. And my friends, these are all real concerns there are no easy answers to each of these problems I've just outlined. The resolution, in fact, to all of these issues that we're looking and hoping for are going to be gradual, not immediate. They will require time as well as trial and error, and that means, above all, they will require patience. And I wanna be clear, I'm not suggesting that Jesus is somehow, with a wave of his hand, magically going to resolve all the challenges before us. What I am declaring, is Jesus can, Jesus will provide all that we need to endure all these challenges and ultimately come out the other side. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing doesn't mean if we follow Jesus that nothing bad ever happens. Again, if we go back and read the story of Acts, we discover it is not the tale of one long victory parade where nothing oppositional or problematic ever happens, no. It's the story of how the gospel spreads to the very ends of the earth and a gathering of followers in one room, a gathering of followers of Jesus grow into the body of Christ in the midst of, despite all the challenges and the obstacles that come. So hear me, we can and we should be working all the problems that we have and that will emerge because of what we're facing because of COVID-19. But the second we believe, the minute we begin to work those problems apart from Christ, we are going to come up empty. We will devise solutions that leave others behind. We will convince ourselves that for most of us to make it, some will need to be sacrificed. We will become even more separated and divided from each other than we already are now. And who wants that? 
Apart from Jesus, we cannot cultivate the grace we need to extend to each other as well as to ourselves. Apart from Jesus, we cannot experience the peace. I'm not talking the peace that comes at any price. I mean the peace of God that passes all understanding. Apart from Jesus, we cannot experience the peace we need so as not to give in to worry and fear. Apart from Jesus, we will not muster the faith and trust we need in order to resist temptation to do what is right in our own eyes, rather than to look out and care for our neighbor. Apart from Jesus, we can talk about love all we want, but we will not tap into the selfless, unconditional love we need to rise above our inherent self-protectiveness, our inherent self-centeredness apart from Christ. I mean, more and more, everyone's asking in their own way, how am I going to get through this? How are we going to get through this? And the encouragement for us today is to look to the shore. That shore that I know right now seems so, so far away. But we need to look to the shore and listen to the voice of the one who at first we may not recognize. But let us take our instructions on how to be of who we are meant to become through all of this from the command of his wisdom and his direction. Let's not wait until we have exhausted all of our ideas, all of our energy and resources before we turn to him and then lay it all, whatever it is in his hands. No, let's listen and look now. Instead of letting ourselves become consumed with worry and stress, instead of letting ourselves become consumed by doubt and bitterness, instead of letting ourselves become consumed by anger and desperation, let's come to the table he's prepared before us. Let's stop what we're doing and abide in what he has done, what he is continuing to do for us, what he seeks to do through us and then act out of him. Let us recognize who our provider is, the one apart from whom we can do nothing, the one who has given up himself for us all and therefore will indeed graciously give us all things. My friends, let's have breakfast with Jesus.